All right. Good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is what's new in adaptive physical education. Your host Scott McNamara, and I hope everyone's doing really well. We are. We have a little bit of a different type of podcast going on today. Uh, we're not really talking about APE or AB, APA very much, um, but in a sense, we are. We're talking about ADA. Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, which was introduced in 1990, and I have Jeff Lee, a uh, former guest who's with the nonprofit Adaptive Sports and Recreation in San Diego in California, and he was on the nonprofit's one. He's executive director, and you know we were going to do like a, a history portion of the show, and you know it, this it ended up being like a 20 some minute conversation, so we thought we would just give it to you, and, you know, you can see it as a bonus episode or just a regular episode, um, and we got a lot more coming up, so I hope you enjoy. We just kind of talk about um, some of the facts about ADA, where it came from, and then Jeff is a chair user, and he kind of gives his own unique experience uh, being from that perspective and what the law ADA uh, meant to him and um, from his eyes. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, keep listening. Thanks. Jeff, you're going to be the new uh, addition to my show. I'm really excited to have you on. I really am. ADA came out in 1990. Yeah. And from your perspective, being you know somebody that does have a disability, when did you start noticing? Do you think like when did you start noticing ADA? Do you think it just took a long time for those act, the act to actually um, manifest? Well, I noticed it a, a little bit at first, like everybody else did, right? You know, there was more parking spaces and things of that nature seemed to pop up. Um, I know there was I, when I've had my first child with a disability. Like I said, I was still relatively able-bodied. It was in that sort of period of time where I hadn't. Uh, hadn't broken any legs for a long time, and so I was in pretty good shape. But um, when you have a child with a disability, you very suddenly become more aware of what's uh, what's going on. You realize that there are buildings out there that don't have elevators. That uh, you know, <laughs> you're just like, wait, what happened? Um, but you start, and you start appreciating the the things, especially living in Southern California, where you have curb cutouts and the ability to get to places and. Uh, um, and uh, I, I just remember being in college, how challenging it was to get to certain classes and stuff and now I suspect that's probably a lot easier than it you know than it was back then so but uh, yeah it was definitely once I had a child with a disability I in the in the 90s I began to kind of notice uh, some of the changes uh, you know so you're reading a book right on ADA yeah there was a it was a really it's a really interesting book I actually finished it and I've, I need to go back and read it again it's uh, um, to let everything kind of sink in but it was uh, it was really interesting because the book and um, I'll plug the book because it is a, I think it's it's a good read for anybody who's interested in in history and politics um, it's called enabling acts and it's a um, it's a little bit of a look at the inside skinny of what was going on in Washington. There were some stories about uh, Ted Kennedy uh, 
um, having a shouting match with John Sununu in 1989 um, and, and whatnot. You know, it's, uh, it's it's always fun to get a little bit of a reveal of what's what's going on in Washington. Um, you have to be careful, though. You know what they say about watching sausages being made. You may not actually want to know what goes on in the in the back rooms in Washington, but. Um, but it was, a, it was a very interesting. It was an interesting book. It was it was interesting, and something that, that caught my eye was the the people who were opposed to the ADA at some level and resisted it. Um, and it wasn't always, I guess, sort of the usual suspects, if you will. Uh, in fact, it was actually kind of some surprising individuals or groups or organizations that were resisting. Re- the ADA, and it wasn't that they were resisting it because they felt that you know people with disabilities were not deserving of some accommodation necessarily, but because their own um, interests would have been fairly negatively affected. So um, that was that was one of the things that was very surprising about the whole process as to who uh, who was really opposed to us as it was as it was coming along. Yeah, and I, I that's when I've even talked to some people. It sounds like the biggest issues were the. the larger places that we're going to have to change and the feasibility and price that uh, goes with that that change yeah yeah so so interestingly enough uh, educational institutions were generally speaking quite opposed to it across the board I think uh, uh, universities were, were probably pretty bad and uh, you know I mean there's a lot of discussion on how much money universities do and don't have at any given point in time but you know some of those campuses have been you know were built a very long time ago and uh, retrofitting them would be enormously expensive so um, it's uh, it's a little bit yeah it's, it's 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 easy to understand how complicated that would be I guess the other one was the uh, transportation companies um, I, I would be curious to know I should have looked it up but uh, how expensive it is to retrofit a, a bus um, you know to make it uh, wheelchair accessible uh, you know, adding those lifts and and some of the other mechanisms, and um, and do it in such a way that the you know, that the bus is still usable by other people as well. So I wonder what the uh, what the price tag of that turned out to be. I'm and I'm sure. And sometimes you'll see with these uh, disability or civil rights acts, sometimes they, the funding isn't always there for these massive changes. Well, that was that was that was part of the game that was played. Of course, is it's sort of like yeah, we'll put the. I think even back to the Rehabilitation Act at some level, where where it's sort of like we're going to require certain you know, accessibility. We're gonna, but no one's gonna fund it, and we're gonna give you the ADA. But but the way we take the teeth out of the laws, we we eliminate any sort of, of funding. Or, or uh, maybe even take a. I, I'm not sure what the situation with those tax breaks and stuff, but uh, um, for these companies to have to go invest all this money, um, probably from their perspective, the question is, well, what's you know, you know, taking aside that it's the right thing to do or not the right thing to do. I mean, you know, what are we what are we going to benefit from having done this? You know, um, I'm, I'd, I'd like to think businesses are getting a little bit more cognizant of that it's to their benefit to you know to allow access to more people because you get more customers you know that seems sort of business 101 right there but I, I'm gonna just I want to touch on uh, something I was just reading and then I could and then maybe we could talk about the particulars that ADA does actually hit and so but I'm looking right now and I see something I think that's pretty interesting Did you have you heard of the capital craw before? Yeah, yeah, that was one of the uh, um, wasn't that one of the uh, sort of protests, if you will, or demonstrations, I guess, that led to. Um, I think that was somewhere right before the actual act was passed. So I think that there was some some traction on it, 
Um, and I mean, so it looks like it was a, a disability right activist who had physical disabilities, uh, and they're in front of Capitol, the Capitol building in D.C., and they, who might have been in crutches, wheelchairs, power chairs, or some type of assistive device, they got out of those. And then they went on to actually crawl up um, all of the hundred steps that the Capitol uh, building has, and they were yelling things like ADA now and vote now, um, and I think that there's some people that couldn't get up there, and they had signs that said things like ADA now and Capitol crawlers. Even a story about a young girl, Jennifer, who was a second grader with CP, and she was videotaped as she pulled herself up the steps using mostly sorry arms and hands, and I guess she was saying the whole time, I'll take all night if I have to. And uh, that, I mean, that is a powerful, powerful image. What a message. Yeah, yeah, I guess it uh, was, was just referring back through uh, you know, the book. Yeah, I guess it was the, the legislation had bogged down in the House. Um, and, and this was, yeah, try to try to convince people to... Um, you know, the legislators to sort of get moving. Sometimes, you know, you have to embarrass them publicly <laughs> in order to get in order to get in order to get action. I mean, and it's a statement right there that you know that that here is a part of your constituency, um, and and at a at a building that is all about representation of the public, and the and a chunk of the public can't get into the building. Uh, that uh, you know, that's that, that's sort of that sign that you know something needs to be something needs to be fixed. All right. So let's, so Jeff, let's like real quick. So what does the ADA Act do? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, um, it really sets standards. Well, um, but it really sets standards for uh, physical accessibility as well as and I say it's physical in a broad sense, right? So it's not just about you know wheelchair ramps, but it's also about providing a, you know reasonable accommodations for uh, individuals to to utilize your. Um, you know your business, or your. In particular, I believe it was, you know, public services, but businesses as well, um, and also I believe it covered employment as well, didn't it? Uh, you know, accommodating uh, people in the workplace, and uh, you know, and so it was. Uh, it was really dealing, getting into the details of uh, things that they attempted to take care of back in '73, I guess. You know, broadly speaking, with the Rehabilitation Act that had some very Loose language about you know allowing equal access to uh, to people with disabilities to to things like schools and whatnot, but that was always interpreted so narrowly that it was never very effective. Um, I mean, I can I can I can tell you stories. Um, I won't I won't reveal cities necessarily or names of teachers um, of when I was uh, oh grief and. Fourth grade. It was after the the, this, the uh, rehabilitation act had passed. I had a teacher who absolutely didn't want me in her classroom, and and uh, they just about agreed with her and pulled me out because she just didn't want a disabled kid in her classroom. And you know, um, you know, so the law was not written so stren- strongly back then that uh, it made did a whole lot of good, to be honest. So, and the ADA attempted to fix a lot of that. So, real quick, I got a, a book in front of me, the Inclusive Fitness Trainer. And it quickly goes over some of the ADA um, uh, different titles or different categories. And just real quick, it was employment that it covers, um, 
state or local government entities, transportation, public accommodations, telecommunications, and then there's just miscellaneous provisions. And in that one, um, miscellaneous provisions could include uh, fitness centers. And uh, real quick, I wanted to talk about something that I'm familiar with is the AIM Free Manual. Um, and I, I think it's underutilized instrument. Uh, and it, what it AIM Free is accessibility instruments measuring fitness in recreational environments. And uh, the instruments used to create barrier free fitness environments for people with disabilities. And there's a whole bunch of different questionnaires and different scenarios and different sections on how to um, make a fitness center uh, more accessible for people with disabilities, uh, which is kind of interesting. And I don't know if you touched on this part too, but ADA also covers um, a little bit of mental disabilities as well um, and trying to make things easy to use and understand, which is also an interesting portion of, of ADA. Yeah, and we have the telecommunications access, which I don't think I. Uh, I'm... Well, just uh, yeah, just making sure that that um, that was really that that there was a mechanism for people who are had some sort of hearing disability to to be able to access phones. I know, um, uh, for instance, if uh, like I said, my brother-in-law who's deaf was um, he's got a teletype machine and he can he can he can actually run a phone call to somebody else where he gets an operator to assist. And I don't believe I don't believe that was possible. I could be mistaken. I don't believe that was possible really pre ADA. So he can he can fire up the, the teletype, get an operator, that sh- then that operator will translate, you know, read off basically what's coming on to the TTY. Now I don't know to what degree uh, it's used, you know, it's quite as critical now, um, but certainly uh, you know, twenty years ago, back before uh, um, instant messaging and chat and, all, and email and all that sort of stuff before the, sort of the ubiquity of those, um, that would be fairly critical. You wanted to contact somebody on the other side of the country if they didn't have a teletype machine. Um, you, uh, you, there wasn't any option, you know, home <laughs> or something. It's just send mail. Um, so I looked up, uh, you said when was that brought, and it was in 2008 actually, uh, the ADA Amendments okay. Act. It broadened the coverage of a disability from physical to mental uh, and they tried okay, to okay. say that it was uh, any type of severely or uh, any type of impairment that severely or significantly restricts one's ma- a major aspect in their life. Um, and so I think that tried yeah. to broaden that um, quite a bit. And interesting enough, that was brought in with George W. Bush Jr., which and. The ADA originally was a George W. Bush Senior Act. And, I mean, you know, my history on presidents isn't all too uh, good, but I'm pretty sure that that first ADA Act in 1990 was one of the larger acts or one of the larger feats that George W. Bush uh, Senior kind of pushed through legislation-wise. Yeah, I think that that may effectively be the, 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 the hallmark piece of legislation. Um, that's one of those things that surprises everybody um, where, you know, you, you want to draw lines between, you know, one party and the other. And it's realistically, this was, uh, it was very much a joint act. You had, you know, certain individuals who took certain, you know, took positions. You had the, the sort of conservative desire to protect businesses. But, you know, you had somebody like Bob Dole in the mi- middle of this mix as well. And he was, uh, you know, you're not going to get him um, 
opposed to disability rights legislation for the you know the, since he was um, you know wounded in combat so many years before that you know and, and, and clearly I mean he tried to hide it you know as, as a lot of people do but uh, um, you know that uh, there was a lot of support really across the board but you did have a lot of the typical you know business again it's and I I appreciate it I you know work in the private sector and and things can get really expensive and and uh, if your profit margins are slim I can imagine the sensitivity to being mandated to spend large sums of money um, but it becomes tricky though as well because then companies use that as a as sort of a their own excuse for not uh, not moving forward yeah one of the uh, one of the interesting things I want to throw out there just uh, I don't know if it happened anywhere else but in Southern California from sort of an interesting historical and it's thankfully come to an end um, I know in Southern California there so in, in order to enforce the law if you will the ADA the 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 Really, the method for doing so in most cases involves suing the um, the company or the organization that you feel is not complying with the ADA. And uh, so there was a, a little cottage industry created, at least for a while, with lawyers going out and trying to find businesses that they could sue. Um, not really in the interest of making things better, but rather to get money out of them in the in the process. So that you know, there's always a monetary component to it. And, and uh, there was there was one lawyer roaming around Southern California, notorious for uh, for doing that. And he finally got uh, disbarred, if I remember correctly. So, but he did it for a long time. If um, it, and, and it was it was unfortunate because we had um, I know of some. Uh, organizations. There was a, a, a church I was a part of that had built a two-story building, sort of pre-ADA, um, and didn't have an elevator. And they decided, well, we, you know, especially I was there. My my son was there. We should put an elevator in. And the city uh, um, that we were in told the the church. They said, oh no 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 no, you don't want to pull permits for that. And they were well, why don't we want to pull permits? And the answer was, well, there's this lawyer who will find who watches for that and he will come and sue you for everything in your property that's not compliant to the ADA and get a lot of money out of you and you know we did you know didn't 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 have enough money to fix everything yeah <laughs> so the end result was nothing got fixed um, to avoid the lawsuit nothing gets fixed you know that's what as I was like I said I was I was glad they finally you know, they finally reined him in and, and got rid of that but um, when I was reading about him ADA as well they talked Specifically, one of the larger groups was some religious organization that was saying that churches didn't like certain churches did not have the money to um, specifically churches did not have the money to um, follow the guidelines and make all the repairs that they that they were asking for or removal of barriers that they're asking for. Yeah, yeah, this you know, and the and the, the way the law, the compromise finally, you know, there was always a phase-in period. You know, there's still buildings you can go to in, in Southern California that are still not um, accessible simply because they're grandfathered in. You know, so there was a there was a solution for that. You know, if you're building a new church, it's it's you're building a new facility. It's not particularly expensive to 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 make these accommodations and and. Uh, um, if you're building, if it's if you're talking about your retro, if you've got an existing one, then I mean, I because th- I don't think, um, I'm not entirely clear that there was a significant and broad requirement for everybody to upgrade their facilities. There, there was a grandfather. There was a grandfather clause. Yeah. Um, and I mean, but ADA now is is pretty specific too. Like so, 
a push door is not supposed to be any more than five pounds. Yeah, um, yeah. And your, your doors are supposed to uh, be accessible. They're not supposed to have, like, where you have to pinch down on, a, on something uh, when you're pulling or opening anything. And you're supposed to have a certain amount of space for chair users. And buildings are supposed to have, like, a certain level of the... Um, the front desk so that they can come up and talk to the front desk person rather than being really tall. Um, so there, you know, there's, it's gotten to the point now, which is cool that it's very specific rather than this broad, we're going to do this. Yeah. And you know, and the interesting thing is I, I think some of the opposition that came from different organizations was coming from the, 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 um, the industry groups, not from the industry itself. And the reason I say that is when um, in the early 80s, we, I was uh, asked by our mayor um, to work on a committee, this is again pre-ADA, of, uh, with the idea of um, preparing a directory of businesses that were accessible to, um, to people. And so we had a committee of people with different disabilities. And the game was we, that we got publicized by the city. Um, and also, I can mention the city because I think it was a very cool thing. It was the city of Thousand Oaks up in uh, up north of L.A. And, uh, and we said, we'll put a directory together and we'll reach out to the businesses in the community. And if you want to be in the directory, let us know. Um, and you're going to have this troop of, of disabled people land on your doorstep, and we're going to check it out. And if we think you're uh, accessible, again, there's no standards. This is just sort of, you know, we'll put you in the directory. And we had a lot of businesses reach out to, to us and say, yeah, we think we are and we want to be, so please come and let us know what we need to do better. All right, everyone. That's the end of the episode. And uh, I just want to once again say that Jeff and myself were not experts in Americans with Disabilities Act. We did use resources to help us with this podcast, several books and websites uh, and prior experiences as well. But we're not experts. And it's such a, such a large law that we thought we would just, you know, start that conversation. And if people online have any ideas or feedback that they want to give about the podcast, we'd love to get some of that. Uh, we have some other podcasts coming up. Uh, we're going to do one locally with a group of teachers, APE teachers, and we're really excited about that. So um, we'll talk to you real soon. Take care and look at the resources on the blog as well because I gave a lot with this one because we made a lot of references. So take care. Until next time. Bye.